I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting, Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 94, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the Irresistible Force, the Immovable Object, the Beer City Loser, Brian Malonis. Well, what is that supposed to mean? You know, you were at the Beer City Bruiser now, so I figure he's the bruiser, you're the loser, right? Ah, I gotcha. Huh. I saw you losing on TV the other week, so. Good to be back with you, Mike. Good to be back (laughs) with you. (laughs) It's been a little while, huh? Yeah, it's been the happiest couple weeks of my life. Well, before we get to anything, Brian, before we delve into where we've been, what we've been doing, I just have one little thing to play for you. Oh, boy. You know, I know everyone loves Nakamura, but like, and there's only so much Nakamura can do. Again. What can they do with the Shinsuke character? Limited English, unlimited charisma. The, the whole Nakamura thing, there's something about it. I think it's the fakeness of it. Man. Pro wrestling pundits work tirelessly to establish credibility with fans, peers, and the professionals in the industry. From Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing, it's taken nearly two years for people to recognize the genius he displayed on day one. It was May 18th, 2016. In episode two of the WPAN, a discussion about Shinsuke Nakamura's place in WWE brought about an earth-shattering proclamation. If Nakamura were to main event to WrestleMania, this would be front page news in, in Japan. So we're calling it. He's going to main event WrestleMania. Which year? Give me, I, give me a date. I, I, give, me a, give me a number. Wait a minute. I'm not saying he's going to. I think he has the ability to. You don't want to commit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm firmly on the fence. WrestleMania 34. I'm saying wow, it right now. Wow, you're calling it. Look 30, at that. Wait, wait, what was this past year? Was it 32? 32. Okay. 32. Two years. Thir- 34. WrestleMania oh, 34, Finn Balor versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, brother. I'm getting a little, uh, <laughs> little flop sweat here. <laughs> WrestleMania 34. Mark it down. All right. Shinsuke Nakamura. There were naysayers. There were doubters. But for 19 months, he held to his improbable prediction. Nakamura will be in the main event of WrestleMania next year. That's what I said the first time I saw him over a year ago at this point. Yes! Shinsuke Nakamura makes his main (laughs) roster debut on SmackDown! And the road to WrestleMania 34, Brian, begins now! On January 28th, 2018 at the Royal Rumble, the prophecy of referee Mike Crockett came to pass. And now Shinsuke Shinsuke Nakamura is going to 
contract. And now, Shinsuke Nakamura is headed to WrestleMania. Wrestling official, wrestling oracle. That is Mike Crockett. Always bringing something to the wrestling podcast about nothing. Yes, Brian, I am a genius. <laughs> Thank you very much. Where's my congratulations? Pat on the back, something, please. <laughs> Will you stop? Come on! <laughs> two years ago, almost two years ago, we did this thing. We started, uh, we record, released four episodes at once. The second episode, May 18th, I said Shinsuke Nakamura to WrestleMania 34. Two years ago, and we're here. We're here. He is going to WrestleMania to main event the show. No doubt about it. He won the Rumble, and here we are, Kingpin. Almost two years later, here we are. What do you have to say to me? Well, you know, I was, I was, uh, and uh, you, you played the clip. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I was firmly on the fence. I wouldn't commit <laughs> with you, uh, but you, you were strong in your convictions, and you held to it, Mike. Uh, a well-deserved congratulations on uh, seeing that coming and, and sticking to your guns, which is not always easy. And uh, congratulations, good job, Mike. Well, thank you. Yes, I was so sure from day one. There's a little uh, trepidation there <laughs> right after I said it. But yes, I did stick to my guns. Even through the one-year stay in NXT, I held to my guns. And yes, Nakamura made it to the main roster. And here he is going to WrestleMania. And uh, I feel pretty good about myself. This whole, this whole <laughs> podcasting thing, I mean, come on. What's anyone listen to anything else for? <laughs> now, Mike, does does he close the show? He's a man of that, of course. You 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 want to do you want to go on record? Um. <laughs> you heard it right there. Michael Cole said it. He's going to the main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, they use that the term main event very very loosely these days uh, when it, when it comes to the match. I mean. It's a main event match for the WWE Championship. I don't think there's any way it closes the show, but hey, let's hope, right? Because it's going to be a fantastic match, I, I, I don't doubt. Uh, hopefully it gets the appropriate time, uh, you know, you know that, that it deserves. And, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't think it will close the show. What do, you, what do you think? I think it's a main event anywhere in the country, especially in Louisiana, uh, but... So you committed two years ago to predicting him being there, but you won't predict whether or not you think it's going to close the show? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to close the show. <laughs> I, I don't either. I think it is it a could. main event match. I think it could, and I don't think there'd be a person in the house disappointed or, or watching at home disappointed, but I don't know. You know what, Mike? WWE is very global conscious of their brand, right? I mean, maybe this would obviously be enormous news in Japan, so... Who knows? But I, I I don't think it'll happen. Are you happy, Mike? I'm commenting on other things. Yes, I am very happy. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, your moratorium for temporarily, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I called you out last week. I don't know. I don't know if you you heard, but I d I did know. hear it. Yes, and uh, yeah, you're very. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about your current situation. We'll get into that in just a second. I just want to thank, before we move on, I want to thank our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Joe Murata, 
who uh, lent his voice to that special uh, audio package there. So The soothing tones. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, Joe Morata. Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. A great podcast. Joe and Michael Quinn, both great friends of the wrestling podcast about nothing. So always go and listen to them every Monday. Of course, listen to us first, then go and listen to our Vantage Point every Monday. And you can subscribe to them on Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, Google Play, Auto Radio, who cares? All who those, cares? yes, all those various uh, locales. So thanks again to Joe. Facebook dot foot. <laughs> I think you can hear the show there, but you could definitely go to their their Facebook group, which is a great group. So uh, check out our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Great guys, and thank you very much again to Joe. But yes, ROH. That is the reason that you refuse. You flat out refuse to discuss. <laughs> Any other wrestling, right? Well, that and we talked about how it would be a funny bit for me to drive you crazy. Oh, that too, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, putting yeah. you on blast. I'm calling you right out, Mike. I mean, I mean, yes, I, I, I will be refraining from talking about current product, um, you know. Look, from critiquing it, I think, right? Yes, yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, I'm going to refrain from critiquing things. I, I just don't think it's appropriate when I, when I have such a strong affiliation with a with another national company i think it's inappropriate for me to be critiquing things i think they've figured out a similar thing on i don't think you listened to it but killing the town with storm and cyrus of course cyrus don Callis, heavily involved with new japan heavily involved uh, very heavily involved with impact wrestling now and so when they do pay-per-view reviews of like wwe it ends up being lance and someone else like paul lazenby comes in and does the recap don Callis isn't really there for that usually so i guess they're taking a similar tact See, there you go. I, and, I, and, and, and that's what I want to refrain from. That's all. So if we, if we have a WWE pay-per-view critique show or review show, I'm probably not going to be on it. <laughs> oh, I'm okay with critiquing old wrestling. Right. You'll, you'll be lingering in the background either way, I think. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I did happen to see your match from a few weeks ago on Ring of Honor Wrestling Television, Kingpin against Kenny King. Yes, I've been all over television between promos and matches. I haven't seen the promo yet. That was which week was that? Uh, there was a promo the week I think the week after, and then and I think, I'm pretty sure I've been on like coming in the next couple of weeks. I'll be on like three or four out of like five episodes. So mostly backstage stuff. Yeah, a couple of backstage things, some promos and whatnot. So you tell me I'm going to have to watch ROH. You should be watching ROH every week. Well, yeah, I should be. <laughs> I should be watching a lot wrestling of on the planet. I forgot you're not a professional wrestling fan, though. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking the uh, Brian Fury uh, point of view on that. Well, I, I mean, me, I don't know how much me and Fury agree on, but that that, that I think we we can both agree on is that you uh, don't watch it, you don't participate in it hardly, and you're, you're really on the uh, the outskirts of the professional wrestling business these days. Most podcasters are Brian. <laughs> most most podcasters are so your match with kenny king uh one uh i mean we talked about critiquing earlier one little critique oh boy. how about next time you catch kenny king on that dive <laughs> jesus my goodness <laughs> little glancing blow there brian malonis well he jumped too far he's too athletic <laughs> <laughs> he's far too athletic it's his fault <laughs> yes yes uh 
Yeah, he, he, Jesus, one of the <laughs> one of the ridiculous athletes. <laughs> so yes, I guess check out the Kingpin Brian Malonis uh, each and every week on Ring of Honor Wrestling. You can see him chatting it up with the Beer City Bruiser with Silas Young. They're a little faction now going on in ROH, and uh, congratulations, pal! It's been a long time coming for you to have a regular role on national television. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. But you sprung something on me, right? Yes. I'm going to spring something on you. Uh oh. So uh, it's a, it's, it's, I think it's kind of a big deal. I think it's kind of a, a major announcement. Really? Yes. The uh, the kingpin is winding down, Michael. What? What do you mean? You just got on TV. Well, Brian Malonis is on TV, and Brian Malonis is not winding down. But the kingpin is winding down, my friend. So I think our fans always like sort of the peek behind the curtain things of this nature. Yeah. Um, So when you kind of think of a brand and marketing and all that, and I think think the Kingpin persona has given me an identity for a long time. But in thinking about the next phase of my pro wrestling career, which which really now, um, you know, hopefully for, for the foreseeable future will be with Ring of Honor Wrestling, I look around and I don't. I can't be the kingpin, Michael. There's the kingdom. There's Kenny King. Matt Taven calls himself the king. I don't think I see. Uh, you know, it's about finding your place and finding where you where you fit in and 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 finding something different than what they already have. And they have a lot of things with that king name in it. So this is me telling you and everybody else that yeah, I think the I think it's time to wind down uh, the kingpin. And try to find something new. I got it. Oh, boy. I got it. The Big Bopper, Brian Malonis. Oh, boy. I knew you'd be no help. (laughs) (laughs) So you're looking for uh, people to make suggestions, perhaps? Oh, maybe, if if they're so inclined. But, yeah, I I, I just thought it would be an interesting... I don't know, revelation might be the wrong word, but interesting thing for the fans to talk about and think about, uh, again, with our, you know, we're able to give some unique perspectives here, I think, um, with this podcast. And, you know, one of them is, you know, a unique perspective we can give is the, is what goes into coming up with something, You're developing an identity, developing a brand, so to speak. And, and in going to Ring of Honor, I've really had to think long and hard about, ooh, how do I want to market myself? How do I want to uh, be identified? And, it, and it's Yeah, clear surrounded by that, like the young bucks and stuff like that, guys that <laughs> right. know the social media and marketing game very, very well. Right. And how do I, you know, how do I fit in? How do I become somebody that they want to continue to put on TV? And um, uh, sadly, because it's near and dear to my heart, I I don't think uh, being the kingpin, you know, and using that moniker is what's going to get me there because there's already so much, you know, repetition with that. And then the last thing I need is another king right now. So, yeah, back to the drawing board for the first time in a long time. So you have nothing uh, in your head as to any ideas not nothing concrete no it's it's i mean i've only been starting to workshop it recently so we'll see but let's look you know let's look to the people i don't know based on some of the some of the tag team nicknames uh, that have been coming coming in for me and the bruiser maybe this is the <laughs> wrong thing to ask the fans to do <laughs> I, I did see something from uh paul crockett that god a good friend of yours for a tag a team stupid name. Stupid thing, yeah, just a fat joke. Hardy har har. So I, I don't know. I've really taken to calling you the kingpin on the show. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do now. 
But I mean, for now, you can still call me the Kingpin. Okay. Well, I guess. And, and I haven't got new gear yet, so I'll still be wearing Kingpin stuff on uh, on the on the Independence at least. <laughs> okay. So uh, I guess you can tweet at Brian Malonis. You could tweet at the WPAN with your thoughts on. The Kingpin's new persona, new nickname, new something or other. Let us know what you guys think out there at Brian Malonis, at the WPAN on Twitter. It could be a nice little contest. Maybe we'll give someone a, a t-shirt or something like that. They come up with a good name for you. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I, maybe if they come up with something that I ultimately use. But There you go. Uh, <laughs> and you were also recently on another wrestling podcast, Chair Shot Radio. I think through um, an affiliation with the Beer City Bruiser that they have, you were there with uh, them. They're out of Milwaukee, so you had a nice time, a nice conversation with them I got to hear the other day. I did, yeah, very nice, and I just actually just got hit up by a couple other podcasts, so yeah, starting to get out there, buddy. Starting, It's going to help us both, right? <laughs> yeah, you better make sure you mention the goddamn show. I, did you, so you, clearly you didn't listen to the- No, I did. I heard, I heard oh. you guys talk about it. Okay. I talked about it extensively. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. And I talked about the wrestling podcast about nothing on Pop Culture Cosmos with Gerald Glassford. We talked about uh, the Royal Rumble. We talked about Ronda Rousey. I'm going to be uh, appearing upcoming talking about New Japan. So check out Pop Culture Cosmos uh, wherever you get your podcast. They're also on the podcast radio network on Mondays and Fridays. So check out our friend Gerald on the Pop Culture Cosmos and you can hear me talk about the sport of professional wrestling. And speaking of sports, Brian, this is Sunday. Mm-hmm. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tonight, it's the big matchup. It is the, the Patriots against... Uh, uh, who, are they, who are they working with? <laughs> who are they working with? Nice. <laughs> the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yes. The Philadelphia Eagles. I hate those guys. Well, I hate both. They're a couple <laughs> of despicable fan bases. <laughs> Like if it is, can it can it end in a draw, please? Can we can can some can somehow both teams lose, please? Oh my goodness, you're such a sore loser. Of course, you're a <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers fan through and through, and uh, you know Philadelphia just down the road from Pittsburgh. So what are you all upset about? The Eagles fans and Steelers fans don't like each other, buddy. Oh, that's the deal. Yeah, it's like Eastern Pennsylvania versus Western Pennsylvania. All right, I got gotcha. you. Well. Uh, Kingpin, I can still call you Kingpin, the Super Bowl, uh, everyone will know the result by the time they're listening to this, but we don't know the result yet, and I think maybe later in the podcast, uh, we're recording in the morning right now, but I think we'll record something later after the game, so stay tuned on this very episode to hear my thoughts, and more interestingly for the listener, the Kingpin's thoughts <laughs> after the Super Bowl. Uh, so stay tuned for that later on in this very podcast. And also, if you were listening to us on the NAI Wrestling Network and enjoy this show, we ask you to please subscribe to the WPAN feed, our own feed. Please subscribe to that feed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the show. And even if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic. Five-star review would be uh, excellent. We really appreciate that. So WrestleMania season is here. There's a ton going on. We want to make sure that you don't miss an episode of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Make sure you subscribe to our own feed, the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing BDA radio feed, so you can get our episodes sent directly to you each week. And also, you can find us at our website, 
thewpan.com. That's T-H-E-W-P-A-N.com. That is our hub. That is our home base. You can find photos. You can find biographies. You can find so much more at thewpan.com. Today on the Wrestling Podcast, about nothing, we're about 20 minutes in. We're just getting the introduction, Brian. (laughs) It's been a while since we've been together. Yes, we're catching up. We're catching up. Well, the Twitter poll is back this week, so we'll be discussing what you voted for at the WPAN on Twitter, plus your promo about nothing and a whole lot more. But first, Brian, Festivus is not just a date on the calendar here at the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. It lives in our hearts every single day, 24-7, 365, as the kids like to say. So it's not just for December 23rd. It's a Festivus for the rest of the year, too. So for that reason, here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we are airing our grievances each and every week, and now you're going to hear about it. Brian, what do you got? Uh, well, speaking of the big game, Michael, mm-hmm. um, you know, did you did you happen to see, um, you know, an invite on Facebook that I that I put out there? An invite. Yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks back now. Uh, for the big for the big game. Yes, yes, Michael. Uh, I may have seen something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You didn't respond though, huh? Huh. So my grievance, Mike. Uh oh. And it's not just about this one instance. Uh, our group of friends, and I, I'm going to call them all out by name right now. Wow. There's yourself. Thank you. There's Brian Fury. Uh-huh. There's Scotty Slade. Oh, boy. There's Ray. Who? Nobody knows who Ray is. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, who was heard on this very podcast last week. Mm-hmm. Did very well. Yeah. And our main man, Tarzan. Oh, that guy? Did I forget anybody? No, no, no. Okay. I think I, I think I got everybody in there. But there's an awful little thing that, that this group does. What's that? When they don't want to attend something, they can't just say a simple, hey, thank you, but no thank you. There is just radio silence when an invite is thrown out there and, <laughs> and somebody can't or doesn't want to attend. And it's bullshit. Oh, my. Just say no. If you don't want to or can't, just say no thank you. Be a mature adult. And I know maturity lacks overall in our group, myself included, which is okay. But just say no thank you. What is the big deal about saying no thank you? It's courteous and polite and allows people to just, who are trying to plan an event, just move on. And I had to chase people down. The only one that responded 10 days later was Scotty Slade. Just say no thank you. So I'm officially retiring from ever hosting another event for our group of friends ever again. I'm out. Oh, I'm done. my goodness. Yeah. It happens constantly when, when I knew when, when two days went by and nobody responded. I said, well, nobody's coming. Nobody wants oh. to come, which is perfectly fine. I understand. People make other plans. People don't want to stay home. I have no qualms about not wanting to participate. It's the just complete silence. And I know what it stems from. I know what it stems from. It's all the shaming that gets done by this group if somebody in the past has said no to things, but just be a mature adult. That's all. That's my minimum expectation of... That, 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 that'll, that's what I'm going to do to Brian Fury from now on if he asks me about bookings with Chaotic Wrestling and I can't make it. I'm just not going to respond. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know what it is, Brian? It's like, you know, 
it happens to you all the time. You you uh you've admitted this. You get a text, you look at it, and you say, "Oh, I'm going to respond to that." But then you never see the text again. You never look at the text again, so you forget to respond. I saw the invitation. I said, "Oh, I looked at that," and I said, "Okay, I'll get back to that," and you never respond. Oh, so this happens every time. Then somebody doesn't want to come. Everybody just looks at it once and forgets. But but on the times that they are coming, there's always the quick response. That's that's the weird thing. Huh. That is a little strange, isn't it? Yeah, very strange. Very coincidental. All right. Well, Brian, maybe you'll get your revenge this evening. <laughs> we'll hear later on when we actually no, there's record. Only one, there's only one pretend Patriot fan in the group, Brian Fury. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, my grievance, Brian, let me just say this. She comes around like about this time every year. She's nowhere to be seen for months on end. Then, oops, there she is, stealing the limelight from everyone. Oh, boy. Of course, I'm talking about, yes, the WrestleMania sign. (laughs) There it is, stealing the spotlight. I don't know how anyone gets anything done in that ring with her perched right there, just begging to be pointed at. I don't understand it. I mean, I think Ronda Rousey was just kind of backstage hanging out, just hanging out, having some catering like uh, we've done in the past. But the lure of the sign just drew her to the ring so she could hit that awkward John Travolta pose. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly was a John Travolta pose. (laughs) I just try to think, how is that sign? uh, I remember one time when the WrestleMania sign was used effectively, and that was Triple H and The Undertaker. That was perfect. When they were both staring at each other in the ring, and then Undertaker just slowly turns his head but wasn't that a copy of isn't that how Shawn michaels and and undertaker did it too wasn't that kind of a ripoff of the the bit they'd already done with Shawn michaels and the undertaker i i remember it first from triple h All right, huh. maybe i'm mis- maybe i'm misremembering i could i could certainly be misremembering that's that's definitely possible from my experience that you could be misremembering. No, but that's where I remember it being effective. But just the awkward, her coming out there, smiling, being giddy, and pointing at the sign 10 different times is just, I don't know. When is this? W- w- stop pointing. <laughs> Did you about to tell you it's not polite to point? <laughs> I don't think it's going away anytime soon, buddy. I don't think so either. But that's my grievance. The WrestleMania friggin' sign, all right? Cut the shit. Buddy, I'll promise you, I will not be pointing to the WrestleMania sign, okay? <laughs> That's for sure, okay. <laughs> All right, Brian. Let's move on to our main segment of the day. <laughs> We're only like, what, 40 minutes in? <laughs> <laughs> and we've had uh, 12 different mini segments. That's okay. But here we are. Every month we are asking you, the listeners and followers, at the WPAN on Twitter, to vote on a topic for us to discuss at length. And the topics on the poll this time out were inspired by an eagerly anticipated upcoming event here on the WPAN. In two weeks, yes, just two weeks, it is Uncivil War 2. Old school versus new school. Mike Mills from Booking the Territory returns to the wrestling podcast about nothing to defend his Uncivil War championship. I'm sure I'm sure he'll be spewing the same type of venom that Jim Cornette likes to spew. 
Well, that that would be great for the wrestling podcast. One night. I'll, I'll, his whole routine is lifted. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he'll bring Jimmy along. That'd be great for us. <laughs> I would love to go toe-to-toe with Jim Cornette. <laughs> really? <laughs> Certainly. We'll see if we can make that happen. That'd be great, that'd be great publicity, Michael. <laughs> it sure would. So, uh, so, yes, Mike Mills is definitely old school. He loves the territories. He loves Southern wrestling. So our topic today is favorite WCW slash NWA match. And I guess to defeat Mike Mills, Brian, you got to understand where he's coming from. So I'm sure doing this exercise today on the podcast will help you out. What do you think? Certainly will. Good God, did that stuff suck. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Slim pickings, is that what you're saying? Very slim. Very, very slim. My goodness. All right. Well, I'll start us off there. Best WCW NWA match. You've got a a very small list for what I'm gathering here. I, I, so, I, I have a, I have a few more than I originally thought when I look back, actually look back at my list. Okay, so I'll start us off. I'm gonna say Starcade 1993. Ric Flair versus Vader. Okay. This is the match that was uh, purported to be. Ric Flair's uh, retirement if he lost. The first time they did the <laughs> retirement angle. <laughs> what was that legit 25 years ago? <laughs> yes. So that's the first time they did the retirement it, angle. It can, it can rent a car at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, the, the fun story behind this match, well, I guess it's not fun. Match? But uh, this match was supposed to be Sid Vicious versus Vader. And this is going to be Sid's uh, crowning achievement where he would win the WCW World Championship and go on to be, you know, the next Hulk Hogan. He'd be the big baby face. But uh, there was an incident overseas with Arn Anderson. <laughs> there was an incident. <laughs> <laughs> so it involved a pair of scissors. That incident with Arn Anderson put Sid out on his ass. So he was gone, and Flair was kind of a last-minute replacement. And to put a little extra heat on this whole thing, because it was kind of coming out of nowhere, they did the whole uh, angle that if Ric Flair can't defeat Vader, he would retire. And they're saying, you know, this could be Ric Flair's last run. This could be his last match, of course. We all know that he wrestled for another how many years? Yeah, his last match was at WrestleMania 24, right? I think so. What year was that? <laughs> well, it's his last WWE match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I remember it being a great match. It was very, very emotional. Of course, that uh, retirement step really uh, poured on the emotion. I remember they had... Did uh, Flair cry? <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yes, he did. He definitely did. And they actually had uh, Gene Orkeland drive over to the arena with him in a limousine and talked to him before the match. So they really played up. They had his whole family there. They interviewed his whole family. I'm sure Ashley, a.k.a. Charlotte Flair, was there. Reed and David were there. I think wife number one or two, Beth, I think, was there. So they really played up the whole, he's a family man. He, he, he'd be perfectly fine to be done here. <laughs> yes, Ric Flair was a family man for this very short, brief period as a babyface here in 1993. So, uh, yeah, they really played that up and it really, laid, uh, really impacted the match emotionally in that way. And, of course, Ric Flair came out the victor and it's a very strange sight to see Ric Flair putting on that WCW belt that they had made after he took 
the original big gold belt to WWF. So he Vader had that other WCW belt they had to create when Flair left with the big gold belt. So Flair won that title from Vader. So Flair is wearing the title that they had to create because Flair took the other title away. So it's a very strange sight to see Flair wearing <laughs> that WCW World Championship. But that is how it all wound up with Ric Flair the WCW world champion at Starcade 93. Very, very memorable match. And yes, uh, Ric Flair didn't retire for another however many years. And he he's never retired. I'll never retire. <laughs> All right, buddy. That's a good one. I think that's a good Thank one. You. Vader, Vader, Ric Flair. That's an iconic matchup from uh, WCW, the WCW years, correct? Right. So I, I'll stay in 1993, Mike. All right. Now, I again, uh, I'm going to use some creative license with the word favorite. Just remind everybody this is favorite, not best. Okay, here we go. Well, no, because the next match, like, the rules of it are weird, the finish is weird, but the match itself is a really fun and just brutal match. I'm talking about from Halloween Havoc 1993. Cactus Jack versus Vader in a Texas death match. It was this uh, spin the wheel, make the deal match. These guys just... And, and something, I mean, not all that common in 1993, I don't think. Um, at least for, uh, if you're a hardcore WWE fan, like I think the both of us were. Just blood all over the place and just carnage and crazy bumps off of the... They, they had the old ramp that went all the way to the ring at this mm-hmm. point. A couple of crazy bumps off that. Harley Race, stun guns, Cactus Jack with like a cattle prodder no it wasn't a cattle prodder what's the other what's stun gun i guess but just a just an absolutely brutal match uh, these guys really it was really fun to watch these guys beat the hell out of each other uh aside, you know confusing rules and confusing finish aside just a really fun match you remember this one at all mike i don't have a good memory of this i just uh, i was just upset that the wheel didn't land on coal miner's glove again <laughs> like it well, did for you know, the Sting Jake Roberts match. We all love a good coal miners glove match. <laughs> yeah, so remember, remember the uh, classic coal miners glove matches of our day, Brian. Yeah, cer- uh, certainly. Just so many to list. I wouldn't want to leave one off. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, Vader. Vader was such a big deal in WCW, and just when he came to WWF, he had that. The uh, one little thing where he did with Gorilla Monsoon that was awesome, but he never got to those heights he did in WCW. Yeah, I don't know if it was mismanagement on WWE or if Vader had just had, you know, he was was a guy who just happened to have a very short prime. Some people would say Shawn Michaels was the reason. (laughs) Well, yeah, it could have been backstage politics, but um, yeah, during this era, era, I mean, I I don't know how many of his matches were classics, but he just brought like a a certain credibility and different sort of violence, you know, and his athleticism too. But I think Vader's biggest, you know, feather in his cap was just, I think he's credible. He, you believe this guy was like a monster and, and was really doing damage to people. And and, uh, based on this match, the Halloween havoc match, I think he did do some legitimate damage to cactus Jack. Yeah, he's very believable because, yeah, he actually was doing damage most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we started off, I talked about Flair versus Vader. Then you talked about Vader versus Cactus Jack. I'll talk about a Flair match then. Ric Flair versus Sting 
It was the very first Clash of the Champions, March 1988. I, I do have to admit, if Mike Mills is listening right now, that my list is very heavy on the WCW side, not so much the NWA side. Uh, I know the fact that I don't have a Midnight Express tag team match on here will probably draw his ire. <laughs> but, but the fact is, I really, I mean... I was a late bloomer when it came to WCW, uh, but this, I remember, March 1988, it went against WrestleMania 4. This was the counter-programming to WrestleMania 4 on pay-per-view. The NWA, Jim Crocker Promotions, decided we will run the very first free event on TBS. We'll call it Clash of the Champions, and we'll put in the main event, Ric Flair and Sting. And this is the match that established Sting as a player in WCW. Uh, Sting came over from the UWF, and he was, I guess, a relative unknown at the time. Ric Flair took a 45-minute match to basically break Sting out from the pack, to basically make Sting. And he did it in one night here at the first ever Clash of the Champions. It was a 45-minute Broadway, 45 minutes, no winner. Uh, the match ended with Sting having Flair in the Scorpion Deathlock. Uh, Flair seconds away from giving up, but he doesn't give up at the bell. It was a uh, perfect way to get a new guy like Sting over. Uh, you know, basically WCW's answer to the Ultimate Warrior. But I mean, Sting a better worker overall. You know, a little more compact, a little sleeker, uh, moves around a little better. Sting uh, was made this one night, March 1988, against Ric Flair, and uh, that's one of my favorite WCW matches. Yeah, I mean, really, what really kicked off an entire era of. Is 88, that's still Jim Crockett Promotions, right? Is that not? I believe they sold in 89, yeah. Okay. Hey, we're, well, speaking of which, why don't, why don't you have any of that Crockett money? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I don't know. They, they He sold, and then he went and opened up a promotion in Texas that didn't do very well. I don't know if there's any Crockett money left to be had. <laughs> uh, of course, I had, to, I had to get hooked up with the Crockett and the wrestling business that wasn't prevalent. <laughs> that, that doesn't have a dime to his name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll stick. I'll stick with uh, the Nature Boy, and uh, really, I'll go one year later. And and the and, and I mean these two guys, Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. You know, you could probably pick any number of of matches and put it on a favorite or best list. But I'm going to go with Wrestle War '89, Mike, and uh, one of it for for a recent personal memory of of actually getting to perform in the very same building. So pretty cool to have performed in that same building and essentially where the the ring was set up, where there was a you know NWA World you know World Title switch. But the match is just so fantastic. Um, it, it's it's kind of a babyface turn for Ric Flair. We're already, you know, we think of uh, Flair being one of the greatest heels of all time, and now I think we're two babyface turns in um, on our favorite matches. But this match is outstanding, and also you'll you'll famously remember there were judges for this: uh, Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk. And this kicked off the Ric Flair Terry Funk feud. Uh, <laughs> Terry Funk he interrupts the promo at the end with Jim Ross, and and then beats the bag out of Ric Flair and attempts. <laughs> to pile drive him through uh, a table that didn't break. It looked like the sturdiest table of all time. <laughs> um, Ten times the table that those Japanese tables are. <laughs> yes, yes. This table just, again, a freaking pile driver through it didn't break it, so good God. 
but yeah, and Funk just out of control, you know, act like he's going to wind up and hit fans was, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, so the Russell War 89, Flair versus Steamboat, Flair wins the title and Funk beats him up. Uh, next on, next on my list, Mike. Well, uh, yeah, there were three matches that they had in 1989. There were, I think it was February, March, and April, or I might be off there, but they had three matches in total, and uh, all of them were rated five stars by your friend of mine, Dave Meltzer. All were classics, and I guess it's a pick 'em, basically, whatever, whatever is your favorite. And I guess with that post-match angle that adds a little extra flavor, and I would uh, probably tend to agree with you that that might be the uh, standout of the three, especially... Like I said, taking consideration the angle with Terry Funk afterwards. Yeah, Good that pick. matches. It's it's outstanding. It's it's I had, I I went back and watched it last night, but um, you know, just just to refresh my memory on it. But it was so good, just so unbelievable. Ric Flair is doing very well on this list for being the most overrated wrestler of all time, according to me. <laughs> yeah, you might hear his name once or twice more here. Well, I'll go to the next. I'll go to the, my last flare match. How about that, Mike? Okay. Uh, but this one also involves uh, probably Mike Mills' most overrated wrestler of all time. Of course, I'm talking the first Hogan versus Flair match, Hulk Hogan's first match in WCW. Oh Jesus! Bash at the Beach '94. How could uh, Mike? How could this not though? Like, it's not a. It's not a mat classic although Hulk Hogan does try to do some wrestling with Ric Flair uh, in the beginning but it, it really is a momentous occasion for the promotion um, for me I mean uh, being being a Hulk Hogan fan made me tune in and want to watch because that was my favorite wrestler of all time and I didn't watch a lot of WCW slash NWA before that um, and 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 it made me become more aware. Maybe now I'm watching instead of just watching only WWF. I start to watch more more WCW. Not not more than I watch WWF, but just just because Hulk Hogan's there, I'm now more aware of it. Wait a minute, Brian. Were you one of those kids chasing Hulk Hogan down the street in that sports car at MGM Studios? <laughs> I wish. I, I, I certainly <laughs> I certainly wish, Mike. Um, but yeah, I mean, how, you can't argue against the moment, the you know, the, what this moment meant for that promotion because if that moment never happens, there probably is no Monday Night Wars. There probably is no WCW dominating for as long as they did. It had to start somewhere, and 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 again, there's there's all the revisionist history on on Hulk Hogan now, especially now because anybody with a computer and a Twitter thinks that they know what what goes into a to a good match. Um, and that Hulk Hogan's not a good worker, or blah blah blah, or whatever they want to say. But take aside the revisionist history of, of Hulk Hogan in 2018, and this match, you know, while you would have liked to seen it happen, you know, what four, five, six years earlier than this, Mike? Yes. You know, but but still a momentous, I think, I think moment in in professional wrestling. I did see it uh, years before. I think at the Boston Garden, right? They did that at the Garden, didn't they? Well, that was only like 1992, though, right? That was Flair's run, right? 91, 92, yeah. somewhere in there. Like, yeah, but I'm, t- I mean, this match, could you imagine this match and this feud happened in either place in, say, like 88, you know, 87, 88, somewhere around there? Would have been, it would have been ridiculous. It would have been, it would have been gigantic box office. It should have been ridiculous in 1992, but I don't understand. I don't get it. I think it was in 94, though. I think, yeah. Um, you know, so why like, didn't it work oh, in WWF? <laughs> well, I, I, 
I don't know. I I mean, I wasn't there, Mike. I don't I don't know. I'm guessing there's probably some ego at play there, but I don't really know for sure. Yeah, I think what it is is WWF doesn't want to put over a NWA slash WCW guy, and WCW slash NWA has an inferiority complex, so they'll they'll put over <laughs> the guy coming from outside. I think it's funny with with I mean, I don't want to get into this, but. With WCW's entire history, they they've pretty much told you they and they can they told you the entire way that the WWF was superior in every way because every time somebody came in from WWF, they immediately shot to the top of the card and were better than everybody else. Hulk Hogan beat the biggest icon in their company's history in his first match in, you know, and then the entire NWO angle, which was originally predicated upon the idea that these guys were invaders from the north. So yeah, uh, I mean it, it's. You know, it's their own damn fault. <laughs> and it's the exact opposite with WWF slash WWE, where they never put any guys over that came from outside. And there's going to be a delicate balance there. There's going to be something in between. How can you argue against WWE's, you know, uh, way of doing it, though? Because they're still here and, and is worth more than it ever was. Right. They're still here. WCW is dead. WCW died. They owned the property WCW, and they still wouldn't put over WCW guys. <laughs> no, they would not. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. The winners get to rewrite history as they see fit, buddy. Yes. All right. So I'm going to keep this chain going we got here. You talked about Flair versus Hogan. I'll talk about another Hogan match that was uh, quite momentous and one of my favorites. It took place July 6th, 1998 on Monday Nitro. It was at the Georgia Dome. Hulk Hogan versus Goldberg, of course. Goldberg coming out, the WCW world champion. Uh, it can be very much debated whether this was the right venue, whether this was the right avenue for this Hogan versus Goldberg match, but it was, without a doubt, historic. They, I remember going in, they announced it like three days before. It was really weird. Like you found like out on Thunder. On, they announced it on Thunder. Yeah, they didn't even have a week's time to get this over that Goldberg versus Hogan was taking place. I think originally it was supposed to be a dark match for the Georgia Dome. They were pushing it as like, you know, come to the show and you can see this match that isn't going to be on TV. But then they decided, let's put it on TV. And I remember leading up, you know, you always think with Hogan, is he going to put this guy over? Is this really going to happen? What's going to go down? Hogan versus Goldberg. And it went down like just about every other Goldberg match. Goldberg Wins the match, wins the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, really sets Goldberg up and a high perch as uh, one of the biggest, one of the best in WCW. And uh, that's thanks in part to Hulk Hogan doing the job here in July of 1998 on Monday Nitro. Yeah, I have it on my list as well. And again, I went back and watched it last night just because I wanted to have it fresh in my memory. And I like the reaction from the crowd is just un believable uh when goldberg beats him and really when he when he gets him up for the jackhammer and hits him with it is is really the explosion and then every the you know 40 50,000 people counting along for the three awesome it was it was so good get the matches i mean if you're looking from like a technical standpoint the match is dog shit but the, <laughs> <laughs> but the the but the the moment the emotion wrestling and that and that's the thing i mean you could have the the greatest wrestling match in the world between two guys that nobody gives a shit about and is it really the greatest wrestling match in the world but you got two guys who 
were at the top of their game. Um, were you know Hogan? You can't say he's at the top of his fandom, you know, just because of his his run with WWF. But the emotion that that people had in this match, the emotional investment was there, uh, and nobody gave a shit in that building. Nobody was sitting there in that building going, "Well, you know, this headlock that Hulk Hogan has on Goldberg maybe isn't the best headlock I've ever seen in my life." And nobody's worrying about star ratings or or that bullshit. They just watched it, enjoyed it, and, and got caught up in the moment. So no, yeah, like you, know. you said, it's favorite matches, not best matches. Right. Yeah, and so I mean, maybe there should be more of that that type of fandom in 2018 of just like get lost in something. It feels good. It feels good as somebody who's been in pro wrestling. You know, to when when you get sucked into a match and 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 you're biting on, you know, it makes you remember what it felt like to be a fan again. And that that feels so good to just and you remember why you loved it. That's why we're supposed to love pro wrestling. It's not supposed to watch it with a such a critical eye all the time for the technical, you know, nuances of the match. Wrestling's about emotion, and this match brought about emotion. And holy smokes! And did they give it away on free TV? And they shouldn't have, eh, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> How much money could have been made? How much money could have been made to do this on pay per view? It would have been, yeah, it would have been, it would have been crazy. But you know, they were all they cared about. I think in those days were television ratings, right? <laughs> right. And this, yeah, this match kind of had something for everybody, for the Hogan fan, for the Goldberg fan, and it also had something for the Smart fan, where it's like, like I said, is Hogan going to put this guy over? Is Hogan going to do the right thing and uh, you know lay down for Bill Goldberg and make him the WCW World Champion? So it kind of was one of those rare occasions where everyone was invested into seeing how this match would turn out, and it turned out great for ratings, but uh, you know it could be argued not so great for the long term uh, health of the company. I guess I don't think that could be argued. Actually, it was not good <laughs> for the long term health of World Championship Wrestling. No, it was not, buddy. So, I'll, I'll, so we're winding down right here. We're yes. starting to. I got, I got one more that I that I want to mention before we start to get to our favorites. And I don't know how many more you got, but uh, and I want it to be a non a, a non Hogan non Flair matchup here. And uh, this is Halloween Havoc 1997. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, another one that I've watched fairly recently. I didn't go back and watch it last night, but I, I've watched fairly recent. And wow. Just just unbelievable stuff between these two guys. And really before both of them were ever... Again, the, the tragedy of WCW is you look back at all of the talent that they had. Um, that company had enough talent to sustain and, and still, be, still be around today uh, and be relevant. When you had an undercard that, had, that featured these two guys, who ultimately became world champion main event guys... But these two guys, I mean, it's again, it's hard to say they're at the top of their game because you know what they went and and, and on and did in the right. future. But holy smokes, like this match is. Go back and watch it. Go back and watch this match, Mike. This match is just outstanding, absolutely fantastic. And it was like it's like the second. It might have been the opener. It, it was pretty early in the card of uh, of this Halloween Havoc. You can't really undersell the importance of the cruiserweight division at this time with WCW. WWF and WCW, it was like two opposites. The WCW had the awesome, amazing undercards and terrible main events, and WWF had 
terrible undercards, awesome main events. So it was like this opposite like mirror image thing going on. But yeah, the cruiserweights really held down, you know, the match quality end of things for WCW for quite a long time in the nineties. And without guys like Eddie Guerrero with Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, uh Super Colo. All of those greats, uh, you know, without those guys, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, uh, you wouldn't have uh, half as much entertainment value going back and rewatching those WCW shows. Yeah, it's 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 outstanding, and man, I, I, I said it last week. I'll say it again, Mike. How the fuck did WCW fail? Oh my god, <laughs> god, like spectacularly. The, that's how they failed. Yeah, the the level of talent that they had on the shows was just outrageous like their roster top to bottom uh in this era that late that that mid to late 90s ish era before like some of the jumps started happening were just just insane amount of amount of talent that they just squandered misused never ultimately pushed and that went on to make millions and millions and millions of dollars for vince mcmahon yeah just uh Unbelievable. They should write a book on it. Oh, yeah, they did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, could pro- they could probably write a book on, like, each guy like, at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, hey, Jeff Jarrett was a six-time world champion there. Oh, boy. That's not... Uh, <laughs> you're not making my point. Uh, so, yeah, speaking of cruiserweights, before we get to my uh, number one pick, to your number one pick, the favorite WCW and NWA matches of us... Uh, I just want to mention one more, and that happened in 1992. It was Super Brawl 2, and I saw someone that really blew my mind. Uh, Oz? <laughs> he kind of uh, he blew my mind for different reasons, but <laughs> I want to talk about Jushin Thunder Liger. This guy came in dressed like a Power Ranger. I'm like, what is this doofus with this funny outfit going to do against Brian Pillman, Flying Brian? And it's Super Brawl 2, 1992. Jushin Liger and Brian Pillman put on an amazing match. Uh, I was just so ignorant to Japanese wrestling. It was out there. It was available if I really wanted to. I mean, it's not nearly as, as readily available as it is today. Of course, you'd have to like send away for a VHS tape in the mail uh, to really be able to see Japanese wrestling back in the day. But Jushin Liger just right in front of me on my screen. No avoiding it. WCW. And he just uh, opened my mind to what is possible with professional wrestling and really kind of ushered in this whole cruiserweight division uh, really early on. 1992 is the year. Jushin Liger and Brian and Pillman, of course, they went on to open the show at the very first Monday Night Show just a couple of years later. But this match in 1992 really opened my eyes back then. Yeah, I mean, I I don't remember this match specifically, but uh, I've I've seen plenty of Jushin Thunder Liger, and amazingly, he's still wrestling in 2018. Yes. So kind of crazy, but yeah, I mean, it, WCW again was really good at bringing these these guys from Japan or Mexico in that you had no, unless you were big into the dirt sheets, like such as yourself or, or <laughs> the uh, you know or the wrestling magazines, then then you had no clue who these guys were. So they were really good at giving you exposure to people that you would have never seen otherwise. Yeah, and uh, WCW was great at that, bringing from Japan, from Mexico, from anywhere around the world, and uh, kudos to them, even though they didn't end up lasting in the long run. They really did uh, put cruiserweight wrestling on the map and help uh, helped a lot of guys get to the next level. All right, Brian Malonis, 
It is time for our very favorite, our number one favorite WCW slash NWA match of all time. You want to go first or second? Uh, I'll let you go first, Mike. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take a roll of the dice here. <laughs> okay. My favorite WCW match, again, it's favorite, not best. And this certainly wasn't the best WCW match. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about this on another podcast we listened to. We mentioned earlier our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It was Starcade 1997. It was Hulk Hogan finally in the ring, getting Sting, the Crow Sting, the Sting who hasn't appeared in a match for almost a year. Finally, Sting in the ring with Hogan, Star K97. How can you go wrong? How can you screw this up? It's impossible. The build was there. Everyone <laughs> was there. The biggest buy rate of all time for Star K1997. And it stunk the place out. The finish was absolute garbage. This was a, a classic bungling of a, just in a silver platter, they had excellence being handed to them, and they just took a big dump on that silver platter. <laughs> Starcade 97. Wait, Hogan you're versus supposed to be your favorite, Mike. <laughs> it's my favorite just because of how bad this whole thing went. How could they have screwed this up? I can't believe it. I was there. I, I don't know how many WCW pay-per-views I actually watched, sat down, and watched from beginning to end. Not a ton of them, to be honest with you, at the time, live, but... I wanted to see Starcade 97. I sat down. I wanted to see Hulk Hogan versus Sting. They built this up for so long. And yeah, this the fast count that wasn't a fast count. And then Bret Hart coming out and drudging up the whole Montreal screwjob thing. It was it was an absolute mess. But it, like a guilty pleasure. It was like... You know, it's like um, it's like a guilty pleasure just to kind of see <laughs> this whole thing just fall apart before your eyes, and that's kind of I'm, that's what I'm going with my favorite WCW match. Yes, Hulk Hogan versus Sting. Michael Quinn from the uh, Our Vantage Point podcast says that uh, they accomplished what they needed to accomplish. What did they? Did they? they? (laughs) Yes, Sting won the match, but uh, did Sting come out of this looking better than he did before? No, he came out looking 10,000 times worse. They didn't accomplish anything, Quinn. You're absolutely incorrect. On paper, Sting won, but this uh, set the world back. Not only WCW, (laughs) set the world back 20 years. Yeah, I think I think wrestling wrestling is ultimately about payoffs, and the build to something can be great, but if the payoff isn't there, then that's where the disappointment lies. This was a disappointment to me, though. I loved it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to latch on to a phrase that you use there, Mike, because uh, I think we took similar routes with the creative license to our <laughs> favorite favorite WCW match, and it's guilty pleasure. Yes. <laughs> I have watched this match probably more than any WCW match that I've, I ever have, and and someday we're going to cover this match in depth on the on this very podcast. It will happen in detail, as people would say. Yes, but my guilty pleasure, my favorite WCW match of all time, happened in 1996, Mike, at the uncensored pay per view. <laughs> 
It's the Doomsday Cage Match. <laughs> the, the Triple Tower of Doom. <laughs> yes, with featuring the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, two of my all-time favorites. Against the cast of thousands. <laughs> yes, the Coalition to End Hulkamania, I believe is what they were called. Or a.k.a. every heel in the entire company together. Ready for the list, Mike? Please. All right, we'll, we'll start at the bottom. The Ultimate Solution. Yes. Sea Gangsta. <laughs> yes. The Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. The Barbarian. Getting a little better, right? Tommy Young, yeah. Ming. Right. Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. Arn Anderson. Right. And Ric Flair. <laughs> that's it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Not much to overcome at all. <laughs> the entire top of the heel roster of WCW. The match was, the rules were confusing. Um, Arn Anderson was dressed in a sweatsuit for some reason. Uh, the finish is awful. Oh, and, and, and Mike, I failed to mention, I'm, I'm sorry, there were also three managers in this match. Woman, Miss Elizabeth, and Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I, this uh, just, it's so horrible the whole like the whole point is like for them to like escape the cage but at one point the cage match goes into the ring with like hogan and the taskmaster and um just absolutely i i i could not i've seen this match if i haven't seen it 25 times i haven't seen it once and i still couldn't tell you what the rules are i have no clue uh, i they they seem to change throughout the match uh the finish is one of the all-time Great finishes of uh, of um, I forget now who's getting held, but Lex Luger winds up, flinches, <laughs> or savage moves, and he hits the person that was holding them. But like seven seconds after Savage had already moved, it was just <laughs> <laughs> it was just outstanding, buddy. I love it. And and uh, just to go back a little bit here, so I thought maybe watching this, and I'd never gone back and watched the Nitro for the night after to see, like, oh, maybe maybe this was Lex Luger turning babyface or something. Maybe he, w- he was trying to actually help them in this instant. Um, but I watched the entire Monday Nitro from the next night, and there's no mention of this match at all. <laughs> as it should be <laughs> yeah so yeah that match a guilty pleasure if you haven't won- I, I love bad wrestling and this one has it all for and you think you hear some of the participants in it you hear Ric Flair it's funny that Ric Flair Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage all took place in one of the worst matches of all time but a guilty pleasure in my favorite WCW slash NWA match ever Excellent. Excellent job. Uh, all right. Those are our picks for favorite WCW slash NWA match. Take that, Mike Mills. Yeah, Mike Mills spit out his coffee and he wasn't even drinking any. <laughs> He's seething at his desk <laughs> sitting there listening to this. Well, he's got plenty of ammunition, I'm sure, for two weeks from now for Uncivil War II, old school versus new school, coming February 19th to the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, so stay tuned for that. Plenty of material. You mean transcripts of Jim Cornette's podcast, right? (laughs) Something like that. Something like that. (laughs) All right. We want your feedback out there, folks. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on favorite WCW slash NWA matches. Use the hashtag WPAN. Let us know your thoughts. 
uh, no way to let us know your thoughts, a voicemail. Call in. We will play your voicemail on this podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. We really appreciate your contributions to the podcast. So call us right now before you forget. Pause the podcast. Call the voicemail line. Become a part of the wrestling podcast about nothing. 401-584-9726. And speaking of Mike Mills, his podcast is Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. They do two episodes a week. Look for them wherever you get your podcasts or go to mikemills.podbean.com. Check out Mike Mills on Booking the Territory. Then you can check him out in a couple weeks here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And thank you again to Joe Morata for lending his voice to my little audio package earlier on. Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, is the show he hosts with Michael Quinn ovppodcast.com is where you can find out more about Our Vantage Point and greetings from Allentown, the little brother of Our Vantage Point, starring Peter Winson, his lonely one-man show where he talks about one single episode of television wrestling each and every week with all of his special quirky little uh, stories and all that kind of stuff over on Greetings from Allentown. Check that out wherever podcasts are sold and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart and a ton more. They have stuff all week long on that feed. Look up Rundown Wrestling Podcast and of course support all the shows here on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. Okay, finally, Kingpin, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor, People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Baszler destroys arms? Yes, Shayna Baszler made her NXT TakeOver debut last week. And while she didn't take home the NXT Women's Championship from Ember Moon, she almost took home Ember Moon's arm. Speaking of takes, if you want the hot takes, BDA Radio has the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. We got the hot takes in spades at BDARadio.com. All right, Brian, it is promo about nothing time. Yes. And the year is 1992, my friend. Right in our wheelhouse of what we're talking about with WCW. Yes. But it is not World Championship Wrestling. It is the Global Wrestling Federation. And it is the debut of a ominous figure in the history of the GWF. Of course, the Global Wrestling Federation appeared five days a week on ESPN at this time in the early 90s. So a lot of eyes were seeing this gentleman make his first appearance on GWF TV. This man is the Dark Patriot. This week's promo about nothing. First of all, I would like to say hello to my many fans in the Global Wrestling Federation. Second of all, I would like to say hello to my dear friend, the Patriot. Patriot, it seems to me that you're at the top of your game, my friend. You are the North American heavyweight champion. But it seems also to me no man like myself has ever come to the Global Wrestling Federation after you sure you have wrestled some great opponents 
and you have had some great victories, but I have come for three purposes. One is to take your mask, two is to take your North American belt, and three is to take your soul. <laughs> you intimidated, Kingpin? Uh, very. The <laughs> monotone... Um, <laughs> sound of this promo was just uh was something special and the audio was very terrible and low but um yeah i i tried to fix it here on the podcast you'll be able to hear it a little better here on the uh on the episode but where he found it on youtube very very low hard to hear but the fact that the gentleman was uh speaking low didn't help matters as well he was very uh deliberate in his delivery (laughs) deliberate is a nice way to put it um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I would recommend if uh, you're having some trouble sleeping, just putting the. This is like white noise. This this, <laughs> <laughs> this promo. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, again, it falls in line with some of these some things sometimes where it's like people put this stuff out there, and it's like how how did this fucking sell any tickets? How did this get people to want to to tune in to see anything? Just put them to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, so this is supposed to be the like he's supposed to be the counterpart of the Patriot. You know the Patriot, right? He went out to WWF. Yes, Del Wilkes, big, huge, jack guy. So, what if the Patriot was a foot shorter, had no physique, a terrible costume, and negative charisma? <laughs> He'd be this guy. <laughs> he's the Dark Patriot. Yes, indeed. <laughs> with the the, the mask, it look, he he starts with his back to the camera, and you think, okay, this guy. He's going to turn around. It's going to be a big revelation. And it's going to be, oh, my God, look at this monster. Look at this nefarious individual. He turns around and he looks like a goof. He's going <laughs> to pose, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking souls and digging holes, right? Sure. <laughs> He's got the, he, he turns finally turns around. He's got a black mask with a red star over the eye. He's got this shitty glittery red robe <laughs> that looks like it's something out of Don Chesterfield's closet. <laughs> Go back and listen to our Christmas episode with Warbeard Hansen for more on the Duke of Elegance. But uh, yeah, just the, 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 he didn't uh, send shivers down my spine when he turned around and he put up this claw hold. I don't, I don't know what it was. He just held his hand up awkwardly to the camera. Take your soul. Now, do you think that, do you think that was do do it over, do it over, do it over, do it over? Do you think that was first take? Ah, oh, it's good enough. <laughs> Had to have been <laughs> first take. And this guy, the man under the mask was a man from a wrestling family. He knew what he was doing. Not a guy off the street, as it appeared to be. Uh, Like a a guy who picked up a a random lucha mask at the airport and, uh, you know, just put it on and found some red garbage bag and put it around his shoulders. This guy, it was Doug Gilbert, Eddie Gilbert's brother. Really? Yes. And I don't understand how they ever thought this guy would be like the antithesis to the Patriot. I, I guess if you think about it, he is exactly the antithesis to the Patriot. <laughs> Terrible body. He wore a full black bodysuit. Uh, you know, like I said, no charisma whatsoever. Uh, very short. I don't see how this. You would match these two up and say this is the matchup. This is it. 
the Dark Pager versus the Pager. This is what people will pay to see. I don't understand. Is is he really a heel though? Because he's he's still a patriot. He still loves his country, apparently. I guess he just likes the country at night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that must be it. And did you know I looked I looked this up? The Dark Patriot was an ECW. <laughs> what? He, in fact, is a former ECW tag team champion. He won the tag team titles in 93 with Eddie Gilbert, who, of course, his brother. But he was the Dark Patriot as a tag team champion in ECW in 93. Weird and wild stuff. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And then Paul Heyman came in and said, what the fuck is the Dark Patriot doing in ECW? And out he went. So, yes, The Dark Patriot, this week's promo about nothing. You've heard it. You have to go and see it. Go get the full picture. Use the link in the description of this episode or go to thewpan.com to see the video in full. All right, Kingpin, we're running long. You were hitting the highways and byways. Crisscrossing this community of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler. And you got dates? I got dates, Mike. I'll go quick. This Saturday night, I'm heading to Atlanta, Georgia, Center Stage. Saturday night at Center Stage, Ring of Honor International TV taping. Check out ROHWrestling.com for full card and ticket information. The following week, Mike, I'm heading to Bethany, Connecticut, February the 17th for Northeast Wrestling. Find Northeast Wrestling's website. Uh, I don't know it off the top of my head, but they do a lot of social media stuff, so uh, find full ticket and card information there. Then the 21st, Mike, a Wednesday, UFO Wrestling's February vacation. Uh, Find UFO Wrestling on social media uh, for all your ticket and card information. Then the 23rd, Mike, uh, I am heading to Chaotic Wrestling in Woburn, chaoticwrestling.com for uh, ticket and card information. There you go. And that is your February. Indeed. Excellent. Book the Kingpin. Fill his dates up. Email brianmalonis at comcast.net. If you want Ring of Honor superstar Brian Malonis on your event, you can also DM him on the Twitter at Brian Malonis. All right, Brian, we're going to watch the Super Bowl and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. So stay tuned after the music to hear my thoughts and more importantly, the Kingpin's thoughts on the Super Bowl Patriots versus Eagles. Stay tuned for that. But we are back right here next Monday for episode 95 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. Till then, here's the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko and thanks for nothing. Take it, Brian. How many of these cowards, Michael, actually stayed through the entire end of the podcast to hear me talk? I know there's a whole bunch of Patriot fans out there. I'm looking at you, Stephen, who like to talk crap to me. And don't come at me with that crybaby bullshit of my team made it further than yours. In Pittsburgh and in New England, they count championships. If you didn't win the championship, it doesn't matter where you got eliminated. And let's talk about this goat baloney for a second. Can you really be the goat? If Eli Manning's beaten you twice and now Nick Foles has beaten you, can you really be the GOAT? It's been a great run, Patriot fans, but it's coming to an end. 
Belichick is leaving soon. Brady is leaving soon. I hope you enjoyed this one. It's going to be the last one you go to for a long, long time. The party's over. Will the last person on the bandwagon turn the lights off? You lost. You're losers. Cry, 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 and a big suck it from the kingpin. See you next week.